Hello everyone, it's me again, Active A, and you're listening to A Skater's World, one of the very few podcasts out there which seeks to give you easy access and support on all things relating to figure skating. Firstly, I'd like to say a huge thank you to everybody who tuned in to the last episode, which focused on starting out in the sport as a beginner. The feedback was so humbling and we managed to reach out to over 160 skaters in over 20 different countries, which was utterly amazing. And I really do appreciate the support you've all given by listening and sharing your thoughts and appreciation. At Ashley in Edinburgh said, this is the podcast I have been waiting for. There are so few resources for adult skaters these days and I was so excited to listen. Another follower at Abigail Go Figure shared that she enjoyed listening to this and found it very relatable. So please do keep your feedback coming in and requests for different topics so I can continue to deliver the content that you find most useful. Now today's episode is titled It's Everyone's Ice and within this episode I plan on only scratching the surface of what is a hugely meaty topic of inclusive skating. Now this is something that I am extremely passionate about with my working background as a special educational needs teacher. Now, I'm fully aware it's been a tough few months for many adult skaters around the world, and many of us have been forced into these strict lockdown regulations, which has resulted in us not being able to train in our local rinks. That being said, I'm aware that since rinks have started to reopen, I have been totally astonished to hear that some adult inclusive skaters have been questioned about their eligibility to be at the rink early. And this, to me, is just utter madness. I appreciate that some skaters have found social media a great support mechanism during the pandemic, which has helped them to aspire to continue working hard on other areas of their training. But I also totally understand that for others, and on occasions myself included, social media can be incredibly difficult at times. You know how it is scrolling through your media feed and it's full of other people enjoying the sport that we are so desperate to return to, but are not allowed. I mean, it was never going to be easy. But as skaters, I like to think that we can all appreciate when others want to share their progress. After all, everyone deserves to share their happiness, right? And I mean, we've all been there at some stage, either when we've mastered a skill as a beginner or nailed a really tricky sequence or just totally smashed our program. That feeling of accomplishment and achievement is something that's so special. We just can't help but want to share it with others, especially when they're people that we know enjoy our sport. It's total bliss. So my question is, why is it that some individuals feel that they need to comment or question or make a judgment about whether a person's early return is acceptable? I mean, let's face it, quite frankly, it's none of their business. But I I think it's more than that. And and it got me thinking, um, I guess, Is this actually the people trying to be intentionally insensitive or is it rather more that they're just uncertain of kind of how to approach a topic of curiosity? I guess it's for this reason that today's episode is more about raising awareness of inclusive skating. Um, I've done this because I want to support all skaters to develop a greater understanding of what this term actually means, but also provides 
all skaters with kind of the tools to support other skaters in a more mindful manner. And to help me do this, I'm going to be speaking with the wonderful Nikki Sibian. Now, for those of you who have not come across Nikki via social media, Nikki Sibian is a multi-award winning competitor within the inclusive skating community. She has competed within the inclusive skating championships that take place across the UK over the last year. She has worked incredibly hard and has progressed in leaps and bounds since she first started skating in August 2019. Throughout this episode, we'll be taking a closer look at her journey as a figure skater, who is registered as a severely sight-impaired skater, and we'll be finding out about her training regime and what adaptations are required for her to train safely. We will also cover a variety of areas in which we hope will help to reassure you that there is no set way to respond to an inclusive skater and rather that it's more about being mindful and respectful of others' needs, asking the question as opposed to just making an assumption. Here's a little glimpse of what's to come. They may have disabilities that that are not visible. Yeah. And that they not may not be as open as I am about the disability. Mm-hmm. This um, may be due to insecurity, or as I said at the beginning, not wanting to be judged by others. As if I'm being completely honest, um, I think that's why I initially didn't tell the group coach about my sight condition. Now, before we dive in, I am so excited to share with you our brand new long-term supporting brand, which is, drumroll please, Planet Ice UK. Now, I can honestly say from my own experience that Planet Ice have been fantastic in facilitating and training the development of a large number of skaters from all over the UK. And all Planet Ice Rings have adopted the Skate Excellence programmes, which aim to support new skaters in learning the fundamental skills required to become a confident skater um, and competent skater. They have a wide variety of options available from public skating to group lessons, private coaching, small group lessons, and they're all run by skilled coaches with a variety of expertise. More importantly, they now have inclusive skaters skate excellence courses that are available for anyone with additional needs. These come with specialist coaching and training aids that are available and Planet Ice aim to assist all skaters regardless of their age, ability and learning style to enjoy their time on the ice. They currently have 12 rinks across the UK that provide these bespoke classes, including the likes of Blackburn, Basingstoke, Coventry, Milton Keynes and many more. They intend on continuing to provide a magnitude of opportunities for inclusive skaters by developing their inclusive academy, which is currently available at Solihull, into other rinks. This is so that more inclusive skaters can can continue to have something to progress into when they have completed their skate excellence courses. They also intend on providing a greater number of competitions judged by the ice skating organisation, beginning with their artistic competition, which is due to be announced in the near future. If you would like for any further information on the provision available within your nearest rink, then all you need to do is visit the webpage www.planet-ice.co.uk. Now, I think I've talked quite enough on my own and it's time to get Nikki on. So without further ado, let's get started. Hello, Nikki, are you there? 
Hello. Hello. Hi, Nikki. How are you? I'm okay, thank you. Good, good. Oh, well, firstly, I'd like to say a huge thank you to you for agreeing to come on to today's episode. I was uh, just explaining to kind of everybody um, of your amazing achievements as an inclusive skating competitor. Um, And we'll discuss this a little bit more later on. But to begin with, I wondered if it's worth us just getting to know you a little bit better. So if you don't mind, we'll go back to basics. Um, So you are Nikki Sibian um, at the wonderful age of 30 years young. Is that right? It is, yes. (laughs) And you've been skating for just over about 18 months, isn't it? Yes, yes. Yes, I started end of August 2019, yes. Perfect. And how have you found it? Because obviously, although we started sort of 18 months ago, I can't imagine you've had all of that time on the ice. (laughs) No, no. um, It's it's been challenging because obviously with lockdowns and whatnot, so... um, But I've been keeping up, obviously, with my off-ice stuff. Yeah. So hopefully I'm not too too far behind what I would have been had I been on the ice all that time. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Because I know, especially in the first lockdown, everyone was like, it's fine, it's fine, we'll just like really focus on our off-ice. And then the second lockdown came and it's all got a bit more tricky this time around, hasn't it? But It, it has, yes. Hopefully it won't be too much longer for everybody else. But you are fortunate enough that actually for inclusive skaters, you're already allowed back on the ice, aren't you? Yes. So I wondered if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit about what, why you're classed as an inclusive skater. Yeah, so I have a visual impairment called Best Macular Degeneration, um, which is basically it's a genetic condition that I was born with. However, I, um, it is actually very, very rare that um, it's picked up as early as it was for me. Um, I was actually officially diagnosed with the condition when I was 21. Um, oh. And my, when I got diagnosed, my consultant actually said it's not normally picked up until you're in your late 50s, 60s, as it's... Um, it's basically the condition's a juvenile form of age-related macular degeneration. Okay. Um, so rather than getting it later on in life, as you'd expect, um, there's rare cases where you can actually get it younger. Okay. So did you notice your eyesight changing as you were growing or was it that it had already always kind of been that severe or is it just something that gradually came on? So... I've always had bad sight. I've always, I've never not worn glasses and never not had really thick lenses. However, it came to a height really when I went for a driving test and I I realised I couldn't actually see as clearly as I could like the two weeks previous in my driving lessons. So within a two week period, my sight had suddenly deteriorated to a point where I actually went back to my opticians and said, there's something not right. And that's when they basically picked up the marks at the back of my eyes, which I've always had these little marks because obviously it's a genetic condition. Yeah. But these marks had actually got bigger okay. and they weren't initially sure what what was causing them to get bigger. 
Right. Okay. It's really, it's really interesting. I think because I think our eyesight is so important, isn't it? Um, and a bit like what you say, I think it's, it's a really good message, even in that, what you've just said, that it's so important for people to go and get their eyes checked because obviously we don't know. I mean, the whole population of the world, I know through looking through your Instagram videos in the past, you speak about how actually the statistics of how many other people are affected by a visual impairment is actually quite large. Um, I think a lot of people seem to make the assumption that if someone says they're a registered sight impaired, um, that this means that they have kind of zero sight. But you mentioned that there's only a small amount of the population that have completely zero sight. There are actually over two million people, even in the UK alone, who have some kind of sight impairment so even for myself like I'm sat here now with a pair of glasses on um, in the day I like to wear contact lenses um, and meaning that I actually would be one of these people that make up that kind of statistic Um, but you discuss how sort of 360,000 of those kind of 2 million people are individuals that will fall into kind of one of two categories. You've either got your registered sight impaired or you've got your severely sight impaired. So if I remember rightly, you fall into that severe sight impairment, don't you? I do, yes. Yeah. So I wondered whether you would just mind kind of explaining the difference between those two categories, the kind of the registered sight impaired and then the, the severely sight impaired. Yeah, so I'll, I'll obviously I'll try and do it as clearly and so people can understand it as best as I can. Yeah. But um, so so in order to be registered as severely sight impaired or as it used to be called the blind register, um, your sight would have to fall in with within a certain criteria. Um, each um, consulting or eye hospital have set criteria that they have to fit in. One of the um, criteria is that there has to be a severe reduction in a field of vision. So such as in my case, um, I have a severe reduction in my central vision. So anything in front of me is severely um, reduced. Okay. um, in order to be um, registered as sight impaired or in in the old terms as partially sighted, again, there's a set criteria in which you'd have to fit in and that um, one of which um, is that there has to be a moderate reduction in a field of vision. Okay. So basically, although that the criteria between sight impaired and severely sight impaired are very similar and mm-hmm. uh, there is actually quite quite a gap between people who are registered as severely sight impaired severely sight impaired so you can have somebody who is registered as severely sight impaired but they'll appear to other people that they can see actually quite a lot yeah whereas then you've got the flip side where there's um, around about, I think it's about seven or eight percent of people who are registered as severely sight impaired who do don't have any sight at all. Wow. So, so the range in the severely sight impaired um, register is is quite huge to yeah. um, compared to between sight sight impaired and severely sight impaired. 
Yeah, and I guess that's that's the thing. It's it's kind of like with other dis- disabilities as well. There is always a huge range, even within those kind of categories of severely sight impaired. There's still a range within that, and. I know, I mean, I've said to you before that I work in a special needs school and I've had training before on working with children that have sight impairments. And we had a trainer come in and they gave us like different types of goggles to put on, um, which kind of were there to represent different ways in which people will see depending on their sight impairment um so we had ones where it was like pinhole where the children could only see through a pinhole there were ones where they could see a lot of kind of um shadows and things but everything was completely foggy and blurred um and it was fascinating i mean from a teacher watching you wouldn't really notice that there was any sight impairment anyway from looking at them visually but actually when you when we had the chance to put kind of our feet in their shoes it was crazy I I didn't realize how much some students may have been struggling and um I kind of wanted to go back because I know um recently you put a post up on your Instagram page um where you did like a comparison between the rink in between kind of your eyes and maybe someone that doesn't have as much of a severe sight impairment um and I genuinely when I looked at it I at first thought my phone had fogged up because I was in the kitchen cooking um so I kept wiping my phone to try and make it clearer and then when I realized by swiping right that you'd obviously put the comparison up I thought gosh that must be so hard for you if that's how you're seeing the rink when you're training every day so yeah I mean how how do you find that that kind of uh, how does it impact you when you're on the ice so that um post you're talking about was actually me illustrating what it's like for me on bad days um so um I have at the moment um good and bad days um and to begin with it was actually quite scary to get to think that I couldn't actually see what was in front of me Mm. um and but then you kind of I kind of got used to using my other senses to know where where I was in the ring and generally I take my time when doing tasks um but when I'm in the ring I wear a high vis and to to basically it's to ensure that other people know I have a visual impairment but I, generally, when I'm in the rink, especially when I'm training on my own, I'll stick to the near the barrier to get an idea of how big the rink is. And then generally, once I've got an idea of the size of the rink, I'm generally okay. And most of the time, I can hear when people when people are behind me because I'll hear their blades. Um, or if I'm if I'm approaching them, so I'll try obviously and avoid them if I can. Yeah, that's really really um interesting actually. I guess because although we we do rely on our sight a lot, actually every all of our senses tend to work together, don't they? So it's it's interesting to know that you kind of rely on those other senses to support you in knowing your like your boundaries and whereabouts people are. Um, and yeah, so I guess how how's it been being back? Have you have you loved being back on the ice? <laughs> yes, um, I am loving being back on the ice. Um, as it obviously, it allows me to get out of the house and do something that I love to do. Um, and obviously, learning new skills makes it even more enjoyable. Even 
like if at the time I'm absolutely petrified um of do if I doing a new task a uh, new scale on the ice um but once the thrill of once I've actually got got yeah. that particular skill it's um makes it really enjoyable yeah I bet I think I think we could all um we all know how you feel on that one I think we're all very much <laughs> looking forward to getting that feeling back as well yeah um, but talking about skating I thought it would be good just to kind of unpick your journey throughout skating so let's kind of start from the beginning and kind of work our way up to where you are now with all of your medals and things that you've been winning so you how did you start with skating did you start with private lessons did you attend group lessons how and or private coaching how did it work for you so to begin with I really I just wanted to I decided to see if I could actually do it so I decided to start in a group class at my local rink but um a bit naughty of me I didn't actually tell the coach who was doing the club doing the class about my sight condition as oh. as I wanted to be taught like like everyone else However, um, after a couple of weeks, I realised that the group sessions weren't working for me as I couldn't act- really see what the coach was doing. Yeah. So I, I asked around my local rink about who did one-to-one skating lessons. Yeah. Um, I'd seen, seen a coach on the ice during sessions that I was on, but I wasn't actually sure whether they took beginners Right. Okay. Uh, so when I was asking around and their name was picked up, um, kept being mentioned to me along with somebody else's name. Um, I knew I couldn't do what, although I knew um, I couldn't do what his students were doing at the time. Yeah. I actually realised that I wanted to learn how to dance on the ice. So okay. I messaged. So I messaged him to ask for lessons. And that's essentially where my ice dance journey started. Oh, fantastic. Oh, that's nice. So, so tell us a bit about your ice dance stuff. So I'm only really um, at the moment really start at the very beginning of my ice dance, uh, actually doing the ice dances. Um, so at the moment I'm just doing the first two um of the dance pattern dances okay. um, and working on a free dance at the moment. But I took part in my very first ice dance camp last weekend, oh, which, nice. um, which I was really, really did enjoy. So it's actually made it more, um, it made me more determined to get my, get the pattern dances and free dances off. Ringing. Yeah. yeah no I think it's been so lovely actually to see lots of like more adverts and things for different skate comes coming skate camps coming back out because for so long we've wanted to be doing them but they kept getting cancelled or postponed so I'm I'm glad to hear that you managed to get to one um and obviously it managed to confirm your kind of love for that dance aspect I don't know about you but my favorite part about it is just listening to the music I know <laughs> I know when I go to the rink and I see someone else training for a program and they've got their music on in the background it just makes me feel so much happier to be able to like dance along to music as well on my own session um, yes yeah so yeah it is nice so I just kind of want to go back to I know you mentioned that at first you felt a little bit um kind of 
concerned about telling your coach about your visual impairment because you were afraid of kind of getting treated differently um and I think your words were I wanted to be I wanted to be treated like everybody else um so I mean obviously you realized quite quickly that that something needed to change because it you weren't able to um to access it in the same way so since having your new coach in what ways has your training changed um so that it's been more accessible for you so um as i as a, i have um two coaches who take me on a one to one um sessions um so they both um are able to actually explain and be able to actually break down um each move for example um recently i i was struggling with um a a moving two foot turn and realized that i wasn't actually checking my shoulders even though I thought I was, but right. as soon as I checked my shoulders to be able to do it, mm. um, it's been I've been able to start getting the moving two foot turn back since the yeah. this last lockdown. Oh, so I think good. I think having um one to one coaching with obviously a trained coach um has actually helped because not only am I giving the lessons and learning new skills but they tailor it to your individual needs yeah so if you're not giving something they'll they'll be able to think of, about ways to actually adapt it to so you can yeah well that that's good and it sounds like obviously like you say like giving you that specific coaching where they're more descriptive in in kind of the needs of where to move your body I guess eventually your body just you start to build up kind of that muscle memory don't you and you rely less on your other senses and more on just that I know even as a um as a skater myself like you suddenly just realize like it feels right doesn't it Um, yes and you're like oh okay so that's what a three turn feels like and then because you know kind of how it should feel in your muscles and where you're balancing your weight in your feet it just suddenly clicks um so it's nice to hear that you kind of have that support from your coaches and that they're able to adapt it to suit to suit you um so yeah I mean it just it sounds like a like it's great like the how welcoming it, it all is um and I know at the beginning um before you came on I was kind of telling everybody about your inclusive skating um competitor um championships and things you've all been joining in on so I wondered if you would mind just um telling people a little bit about the inclusive skating community and kind of how it supported you throughout your journey as a skater yeah so basically um inclusive skating is a charity in which helps everyone everyone on the onto the eyes no matter what their disability is um, so they have a they can provide training to suit your individual needs um for example they have a badge program for when you're on the ice so um, each individual skater can work towards these badges and sub- um, then they can submit video to the to an online portal which is marked and okay. the certificate is sent to them um, as a mark of a, of an achievement um, they, each um, when a skater basically becomes 
a member of inclusive skater skating they um are then also able to do competitions now in ordinary competitions um the um skaters are compared against basically against each other no matter what their ability okay. but with with inclusive skating each person is given what's called a classification so they they'll be given like a I think it's called a whole person score. So their disability and how their disability affects them on the ice is taken into account of this when they're being scored. So yeah. and they also um have different levels for everyone. So for example, the, last year I did the English and Scottish Championships at level one. Yeah. Um, and then I decided in the December to enter the British Championships at level two. Oh, wow. So, although, like, it's there's very, like, the set um, things that you have to do in each level. Yeah. But there is actually a level there for everybody to do. Oh, good. Oh, it sounds great that you, they kind of are taking into account everyone's different needs. Because like you say, like you mentioned previously, everyone's visual impairment will be slightly different. And there's that huge scale there. So the fact that they can give people like a whole score so that they can take into account those differences, it kind of gives everybody a bit more of a of a, a, a kind of an accepting chance, doesn't it? Um, yes. So that's great. And I mean... Honestly, I I think it's it's a great support mechanism and for anyone. And if anyone out there that's listening today has got um, any kind of um, needs there that, and they're interested in skating, then definitely go and look up the Inclusive Skating Charity because it's, from what I could see on the website, it's, it's lovely and so welcoming for all. But I was actually quite envious. Um, and in all, like, you guys have had the chance to meet some of the most amazing kind of awe-inspiring figure skaters and if I'm right I think you managed to have a zoom call recently did you not with the wonderful Jane Talver and Christopher Dean? Yes um, they were um, actually guests at the British Championships virtual medal ceremony so they were announcing um, each p- person's um where they came in the competition and uh, so which was a lovely surprise as we were no no one were, was aware that they were um the guest coaches um yeah. until they appeared on the screen oh wow um, what a surprise <laughs> yeah but there are as you say there are some amazing skaters within the skate inclusive skating community and not only like not only the skaters, but everyone involved is always happy to help with any queries you may have. Um, yeah. It doesn't matter whether they're a skater or a parent of a skater. They uh, seem to be always willing and uh, actually want to help people. Yeah, oh, it's so it is lovely. It sounds like a real welcoming community um, where you all kind of support one another. And I guess that's that's similar to... The, the the general skating community I know that I've only really been I only started sort of February last year um, and already I've had such a positive experience with other skaters and beginning skaters and people kind of just wanting to support and kind of help one another so it's great to hear um, 
Now, I'm kind of, I'm also quite interested in how your experience has been during kind of public sessions um, and or like your patch sessions with other skaters um, who maybe don't have um, a, 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 they're not an inclusive skater, they don't have a specific need. Um, I know how sometimes you say that you felt like you've been treated differently um, on the ice and I just, you talk about on your Instagram, you talk about there's a situation between you and I think it might have been a coach and you you hadn't told them about your um, impairment. And it, when you did, they ended up talking to you in a way that you needed to talk about how your ears were absolutely fine. So I, it did make me giggle. I just wondered if you wouldn't mind sharing that story with us. Yeah, so this was actually, it wasn't a coach. It was a, another skater and... Oh, okay, um, yeah, um, but um, basically on this particular um, time, I was chatting to this person, happened to mention to them about my sight condition, and he started to speak really, really slowly, which I found very odd. Um, and I just said to them that my ears work fine, just talk to me normally. I don't think they realised that they were actually doing it, and they were very apologetic about it. Yeah. I don't think always it's an intentional kind of insensitivity that people give. It's more of just a result of people feeling a bit uncertain of how best to support or how best to respond to a person when they first find out that they have this um, need that no one was really aware of. Because actually when looking at the person, it wasn't an overt difference Um it was just they looked like a normal person so why would they think anything differently and I mean I can't answer on behalf of all inclusive skaters and I know you won't be able to either um but just on behalf of yourself being someone that has a visual impairment I kind of just wondered whether you'd mind kind of giving a bit of advice to people so that if they do notice somebody with an impairment of any kind on the ice how would how would you suggest to them would be the best way to kind of respond to that situation for me personally I'd rather people ask me a question rather than them assuming um so okay some people won't feel comfortable answering questions and that's completely okay but um but some people might actually prefer to be asked the question rather than others making an assumption about what they think they can do because of their disability. So I think the general thing I would would advise anybody is just to be mindful of other skaters and that they may have disabilities that that are not visible and that they may not be as open as I am about the disability. Mm -hmm. This um, may be due to insecurity or, as I said at the beginning, not wanting to be judged by others. As if I'm being completely honest, um, I think that's why I initially didn't tell the group coach about my sight condition, and yeah. why, and why really I could only tell my current coach over text about my sight condition. But on the flip side, I think I would say to people who may be shy about telling people about their disability is that having a disability is nothing to be ashamed of um it's something that makes you you so embrace it 
Yeah. Oh, that's so lovely. Yeah. I mean, Nikki, thank you so, so much for coming on today. Um, it's been hugely interesting and I'm sure there'll be many questions even from just what we've spoken about today. Um, and I just want to encourage anybody out there who is interested in these sorts of things. Obviously, I will put in the post um, for this podcast page, I will put links um, for places where you might want to go for further information or I'm sure Nikki on Instagram you won't mind the odd uh, direct message absolutely um, as I said earlier um, if anybody uh, needs support or just wants to message me about anything whether it's skating related or wanting more information from a skater rather than the inclusive skating charity uh, about what how to join inclusive skating uh, by all means um message message me on instagram i'm just totally humbled in honesty of your kind of story nikki and i honestly do wish you all the best in your skating journey uh thank you very much thanks nikki see you soon thank you bye bye What an inspirational story to have had the privilege to have shared with you guys. Nikki is an amazing woman who is determined to conquer and reach her goals. Um, and she doesn't let anything stop her. She overcomes those challenges and she does what she loves. And I think we can all take something from Nikki's story. So until next time, skate safe, enjoy getting back to the rinks and I'll look forward to speaking with you all soon. Bye.